This is the Elevators Podcast. We discuss all things elevating your life, work, and relationships as you are building your business and yourself. Here is your host, yours truly, Dylan Buck. What's up? This week, we are diving into a concept that many of us are very familiar with, but few choose to execute. That is finishing strong. The concept of finishing strong is something that transcends just the end of a year, though. This is a mentality that is relevant when you're wrapping up a quarter, a month, and even a week. Right? Further, it applies to finishing each day, each goal period, and can apply to something as small as a workout or even a set within a workout. And just like many of the principles that we discuss on the podcast, finishing strong is a habit and it's kind of like a muscle. Right? The more you practice the habit of finishing strong, the more you work out that muscle, the easier it will become and the stronger you'll finish consistently. I'm excited to share some inspiring stories from amazing people and hopefully some tools that you can take with you. So cheers to you deciding to finish strong. Here we go. What's up? Welcome back to the Elevators Podcast. I'd like to start this episode off by sharing a story about an exceptional human being that made the decision to finish strong in her life consistently. Uh, her name is Wilma Glodine Rudolph. On June 23rd, 1940, Wilma was born prematurely and weighed only 4.5 pounds. Wilma became the 20th of 22 children of Ed and Blanche Rudolph. The Rudolphs were African Americans living in a time of segregation. Since the local hospital was for whites only, and since the Rudolphs had little money, Mrs. Rudolph was forced to care for Wilma herself. Wilma's early years were very rough. Her mother nursed Wilma through one illness after another. Measles, mumps, scarlet fever, chicken pox, and double pneumonia. A few years after her birth, they discovered that Wilma's left leg and foot were not developing normally and that they were becoming deformed. The doctors told Blanche that Wilma had polio and that she would never walk, and that she would have to wear steel braces on her legs. Mrs. Rudolph refused to accept this diagnosis, and she set out to find a cure. She discovered that Wilma could receive treatment at Meharry Hospital in Nashville. For the next two years, Mrs. Rudolph drove Wilma 50 miles each way to get physical therapy. Eventually, the hospital staff taught Mrs. Rudolph how to do the physical therapy at home. Everyone in the family worked with Wilma, providing her with encouragement to be strong and get better. Thanks to patience, support, effort, and love from her family, at age 12, Wilma could walk normally without the assistance of her crutches, braces, or corrective shoes. She had spent a great deal of her life limited by her illnesses, and Wilma felt a freedom that she had never felt before. It was then that Wilma decided to become an athlete. She chose first to pursue, to pursue basketball, just as her older sister did. For three years, she rode the bench, not playing in a single game. But Wilma's spirit was forged from steel, and she continued to practice hard, refusing to give up. In her sophomore year, she became the starting guard for the team and sub subsequently led the team to a state championship. But Wilma's first love was to run. At the age of 16, barely four years free of her braces, Wilma participated in the 1956 Olympics in track. She won a bronze medal in the 4x100 meter relay. 
Wilma's most famous athletic accomplishment, though, was realized in the 1960 Rome Olympic Games. The little girl that could hardly walk without the assistance of crutches and braces had overcome her challenges and would become the first American woman to win three gold medals in a single Olympic Games. Whew. So pretty, pretty remarkable, right? That stuff, that's, that's not normal. Finishing strong takes a lot of intentionality. It's a, it's a mental game because like success, finishing strong is not natural. It's not normal, right? The, ne- the natural tendencies are to slow down because there's always next week or next year or next month or to just continue with a schedule that you're not proud of with hopes that next week or next month or next year is going to be different and that something's just going to magically change. You know, some people just give up on their goals because they're not where they want to be in relation to them. And some people are already at their goals or past their goals, and, and then we get complacent because the time frame is, you know, as the time frame comes to a close, because what else are we working for? Right? It takes an uncommon individual, it takes an uncommon team to finish strong. So treat the end of anything you do as an exciting opportunity to be uncommon. Right, whether that's the end of a run, pushing yourself as hard harder than you did the entire run for the last thirty seconds or the last minute, the end of a workout, right, the end of a set in a workout, the last goal period of each day, the last day of each week, the last week of each month, the last month of each year, just decide to form the habit of finishing strong, and sooner or later, it's just going to be a part of who you are. It's a a characteristic of who you are and how you operate. Many times towards the end of a year, people start talking about New Year's resolutions and, you know, New Year's resolutions most of the time for, for most people fail. And I think that's because we practice a lack of discipline and anticipation for the discipline to come. And as a result, we form habits that make it much more difficult to do the things that we want to do or we need to do to get to where we want to go once that time comes. So I would encourage everyone listening, I would encourage myself Uh, to use this time right now as a runway to create a new normal for yourself, right? As it pertains to business, life, your schedule, yourself, I'd assume there's been weeks and months where you're really proud of and some probably not so much. But what you'll remember about any time frame isn't how you started. It's not all the ups and the downs in between, but it's how you finish, right? So if you want to be better next week or next month or next year than you were in this one, then you get to begin before that time frame begins rather than once it does. So here are, here are a few strategies for finishing like a champion, some tools that you can use that just make it a little bit more simple. One is just set a special goal for yourself that you can get excited about, whether that's buying a new you know new toy, new whatever for yourself, buying some concert tickets, uh, taking someone on a really special date or special trip. Another one is uh, dedicate your weeks to someone that's important to you and tell them why you're working for them. I'd explain it to them. It'll create a new depth in in your purpose for that week. Um, another big one, just just commit to a hour and demo no matter what. So not an hour and demo goal, right? Goals are cool, but hours and demos are some of the most controllable things that we have. So if we can control them, why not set a no matter what rather than a goal? Because a lot of times goals, when we set controllable goals, once we get close to them, it's like, ah, eh, it's just a goal. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty close. I'll just stop. A no matter what means exactly that. No matter what, if my goal is to get 50 demos in a day, 
or excuse me, in a, in a week. And I've only got 40 by the end of the day on Friday. If the goal, if it's a no matter what, that means, Hey, Saturday, I've got 10 more demos to go and get right. Or if it's the end of a night and you're trying to get 40 demos by the end of the week and you know, you're trying to, you got to get eight demos every single day, no matter what. And you only have seven. If it's a no matter what to get eight demos every single day, you're going to work until you get that eighth demo, whatever it takes, whether it's knocking on a door or, you know, getting on a Zoom call with some a friend that you haven't talked to yet. Create a no matter what for yourself and then stick to it, right? Because how you finish one thing has a major impact on how you start the next. So another story that I'd like to share with you guys is one that probably I would assume most of you are pretty familiar with. Um, it's about a, a girl that actually got her arm bitten off by a shark in the ocean um, and still went on to see tons of success in surfing. So it says, it was a perfect day for surfing off the coast of Kauai. A 13-year-old surfing prodigy had just finished riding a 20-foot wave and was lying face down on her surfboard. Preparing to paddle out to catch another wave, her thoughts of becoming a professional surfer shifted in an instant. Without warning, she felt a tug on her left arm, and in a split second, she realized she had been attacked by a shark. As she struggled to gain her composure, she realized something even more terrifying. The 14-foot tiger shark had bitten clean through her board, taking her left arm in a single bite. At that moment in time, survival and not surfing became a priority. Bethany Hamilton learned to surf at age four. When she was eight, she entered her first contest and won both of the events that she competed in. At the age of 10, she placed first in the 11, uh, 11 and under girls and first in the 15 and under girls and second in the 12 and under boys in the Vulcan Pufferfish Contest. She was determined to become a professional surfer and was certainly on track to make it happen. Then in one violently swift moment on that fall day in 2003, it seemed her dreams would be shattered. However, Bethany was born with a heart of a lion and the competitive spirit of a thoroughbred. She was determined to return to the water to surf. Leaning on support from her friends, family, and her faith in God, Bethany recovered rapidly. Within 10 weeks from the attack, she was surfing again. Convinced she could overcome <laughs> convinced that she could overcome the physical challenge, she worked hard to learn to surf around her disability. But she also had to overcome the psychological fear of another attack. Bethany would face her fears by singing and praying when she was out on the water. Incredible as it seems, less than a year from her attack, Bethany returned to competition taking fifth place at a national surfing championship and first place at the first event in the Hawaii uh, Scholastic Surfing Association. Recognized by ESPN in 2004 and received an ESPY award for Best Comeback Athlete of the Year. Bethany's ability to overcome her physical and mental challenges puts her in an elite class of achievers. She chose to finish strong. Her unique ability to confront her fears, embrace them, and then continue moving forward in the right direction of her goals is the perfect definition of courage. Whew. I love this example, right? We talk about this all the time, but you know, <laughs> on the field when we're doing our career, we're not going to get bit by a shark, but problems will come up. And life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react, right? How are you going to choose to react? How are you going to choose to respond the choice is yours. Make a choice to finish in an uncommon way, regardless of the problems that come up by practicing an uncommon level of discipline. 
choose this consistently and you're going to put yourself in a time and money freedom situation that most people unwilling will never get to enjoy the luxury of, right? And by doing so that you're going to set an example for the people around you to believe that they can do the same for themselves. When you do that consistently, you'll be on a mission that will validate all the stress, frustration, heartbreak, and hard work that you persevered through along the way. And the next story I want to share real quick is about a remarkable woman by the name of Julie Moss. Um, ABC Sports called it one of the most defining moments in sports. After leading the 1982 Kona Hawaii Triathlon for more than seven hours, Julie Moss collapsed 50 feet from the finish line. Millions of television viewers painfully watched Julie stagger, then fall, stagger, then fall, stagger, and crawl across the finish line. What they did not see is the mental transformation that took place within Julie during that time. This was a defining moment in her life. Julie was a 23-year-old student participating in her first triathlon, largely in part to do research for her exercise uh, physiology thesis. She entered the event because she believed it would provide her with a valuable experience to incorporate into her thesis. She did not consider herself to be an exceptional athlete and later explained, I did I used to dread getting called into the court for volleyball and having to serve in tennis back in my high school sporting days. But leading an Ironman race can have a powerful effect on people, and Julie experienced that firsthand. During the midpoint of the run portion, the final leg, her desire to simply finish began to evolve into a desire to finish fast and finish first. Never in her entire life had she experienced that competitive side of her psyche. However, she was about to experience the effects of a poor diet and hydration during the race. At that time, very little was understood about nutrition, hydration, and high-performance activity. The power bar wasn't invented yet, and most athletes believed that bananas and water were the nutritional staples of high performance. We know differently today. Julie began to feel the effects of poor nutrition and hydration during the event. With about seven miles to go, she was forced to add intervals of walking, then running. Her body was shutting down, but her mind was not. It took all my focus just to keep my body working, she recalled. The image was that I was pretty out of it, but it was taking all of my focus just to keep going. I had to concentrate so much on how I placed my foot on the ground. If I was off by a bit, my leg would just buckle. With 100 yards to go, Julie's mind began to play tricks on her. She imagined herself running across the finish line and kept trying to run instead of walk to the finish. Later, She said that she probably would have won the race if she had simply decided to walk instead of run. So for the last 50 yards, she continued to fall, rise, step, and fall over again and again. It was painful to watch. Julie was on her hands and knees within feet of the finish line when the second place runner passed Julie to win the race. A few seconds later, Julie crawled across the finish line, creating one of the most dramatic (laughs) finishes. creating one of the most dramatic finishes in sports history. For Julie, it was much more than a generic defining moment in sports. This was her defining moment. At some point in everyone's life, we all have a defining moment. Julie's happened to be captured on a film in front of millions of people. (laughs) She tapped an inner strength that she never knew she possessed and rose above all the physical and mental adversity confronting her to achieve her goal. For Julie, this moment in time shifted the course of her life by redefining her physical and mental personal limits. So I'd call that memorable. And I'd 
you know, let's let's decide right now that we're all going to have a, me- a memorable finish to whatever whatever time frame you're striving to finish strong in. Right? The best way to have a memorable finish, to have a memorable week, to have a memorable month is to decide to be someone who is memorable. Be someone that people remember. Right? If your focus right now is on finishing one week strong, then you have five opportunities to lead a perfect day. And when you mess up, forgive yourself, move forward and improve. Right? None of the challenges that we're dealing with on the field for, for most of us are nearly as drastic as the stories that we've shared so far. Um, and I'd like to share one more to wrap us up. After a two-year battle with cancer, teenager Miles Levin unfortunately lost his fight. However, during his final years, he achieved a level of self-awareness, courage, and wisdom that most of us never will reach. Miles chose to post his observations on carepages.com blog, and through his writings, he inspired thousands of people. He wrote with amazing grace and eloquence. Some of his posts were short, like, dying is not what scares me. It's dying having no impact. Right? Some were long and philosophical, but each post served a significant purpose in that it challenged the reader to think more deeply about life, death, and making a difference. Through his expressions, Miles left this world in a better place than he came into it. I can only hope that I do the same with my life. Here's what Miles said just one month after being diagnosed with terminal cancer. I went to the driving range the other day, and I was thinking, I was thinking about how you start off with a bucket full of golf balls and you just start hitting away carelessly. You have dozens of them. Each individual ball means nothing. So you just hit it and hit, hit one ball is gone. It's practically inconsequential when subtracted from the bottomless bucket. There are no practice swings or technique reevaluations after a bad shot because you have so many more tries that remain. Yet eventually you start to have to reach down towards the bottom of the bucket to scavenge for another shot, and you realize that tries are running out. Now, with just a handful left, each swing becomes more meaningful. The right technique becomes more crucial. So between each shot, you take a couple practice swings and a few deep breaths. There's a very strong need to end on a good note. Even if every preceding shot was terrible, getting it right at the end means a lot. You know, as you tee up your last ball, this is my final shot. I want to crush this with perfection. I must make this count. Limited quantities or limited times brings a new precious value and significance to anything you do. Live every day shooting as if it's your last shot. I know I have to. Miles Alpern Levin, July 7th, 2005. I've tried my best to show what it is to persevere and what it means to be strong. Like Miles suggested, we should treat each day as a precious ball of life. Take your time, take a breath, and make a practice swing. Make each shot count, and most of all, finish strong. What would it look like to give this next time frame everything you freaking got? This has been an Elevated Podcast production. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out our Instagram page at Elevated Financial. Like, share, and let us know what you want to hear more of.